I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, welcome back, everyone. It's hour number two of the program. Bob Pompiani here in studio. Matt Harkins, a.k.a. Mighty Ice, behind the glass, taking your calls at 412-928-9370. That also happens to be the number of the fan text line, which is brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates. They ask you to text responsibly 412-928-9370. You can also follow us on Twitter at 937thefan, driven by a short key, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, locations in North Huntington and the North Hills. So we've talked a lot about the Pirates and the opener. Do you like the opener? I say close the opener. I'm tired of the opener. Uh, they got to figure out something to do. You can't have two openers on Monday in a doubleheader, can you? But they're they're you know desperate times right now, and they have to figure out ways and creative ways. And by and large, I think Ray Searage and Clint Hurdle have done a very good job with that given the injuries that have completely piled up, including another one last night to Chris Stratton. So Chisenhall had a rehab assignment last night and didn't do much with it. He's been out for a long time. Corey Dickerson has been out for a long time. It'll be working on almost two months here coming out. You wonder when those guys are coming back. And then I ask you what happens when they do come back. And if they are the people you sign, what do you do with Brian Reynolds? Because he's been good enough to come up here in really an emergency situation. Uh, and play and play well. Now you can argue that Cole Tucker, who I think has a really big upside, and he will be their shortstop of the future. He struggled a little bit at the plate, but he's he's the kind of guy you want on your team. He's really solid defensively, gets all over the place. But uh, you know you need offense too, and so far that's been a little bit of a struggle with him. However, uh, if Dickerson comes back, to me you got to throw him back in left field, don't you? I don't know what else you do. Do you just bench him for Reynolds? I don't think. There may be a platoon situation going on, whatever the case. But it's a good problem to have when everybody's healthy. Right now nobody's healthy, so that's a problem. The pitching continues to be unhealthy. Trevor Williams still out. Jamison Tyone, don't expect him till July. Keona Kella is out. Uh, and so, therefore, they're forced to use this opener. And what we saw from the opener was not very good results, uh, with only one exception. That's Montana Durapo. But – it's too much for my liking, and I don't. I like it if it's really, truly something you absolutely have no choice for, and, and they're in that boat, I guess. But they got to do something better than that because number one, even if it goes well, you got two innings, right? That's it, two innings for your opener, and then you're you got you're going to use a bunch of pitchers. Last night they were lucky that Stephen Brault didn't make that a bigger problem than it could have been. He pitched almost a hundred pitches. So, you know, Nick Kingham's not been good when he's given these opportunities. Therein lies the problem. If Brault and Kingham had been good, or at least consistent, they wouldn't have had to go down this route. And now they're down this route, and those guys haven't been good, and more injuries pile up, so what do you do? Well, one of the questions we've been asking, and this is out in the table, it's been a while, this question. It's Dallas Keuchel. It's one that every team has, I'm sure, considered if you're in the need for pitching. What do you do with this guy who's holding out, still doesn't have a contract, former Cy Young winner, former World Series champion, gold glove winner, lefty pitcher, you know, but he wants market value. You can get him for the rest of the season if he's agreeable to do it for a prorated rate of whatever the sum may be and give up a 57th overall pick to get him. 
Would that be worth it to you? Even if you knew you weren't going to keep Dallas Keuchel behind this year, beyond this year. Um, that's a question for you to, to chew on. Let me know what you think about it at 412-928-9370 is that number to call. Uh, with regard to Monday, they play a doubleheader in Cincinnati, and I'm wondering what they do with it. To me, it, there's no other choice at this point but to get uh, Keller up here and pitch. He's 5-0. and He's had some struggling moments down there, but you know what? He's supposed to be the blue-chip ace. I know this is somehow attached to a, uh, you know service time, and every team goes through that where they try to figure out. But if you're really, truly trying to win right now, and if that's your in- intention, then you need to make some moves. You need to do something because these games do matter, and the rest of the league is, is pretty much just doing the same old thing, just stumbling along. Nobody has separated themselves. The Cubs are over 500, you know, and number one in the league. Uh, Milwaukee's 29 and 23, but Pittsburgh's 25 and 23. And if you think it can be in the discussion even for a wild card, don't you owe it to do something? The question is, when do you do it? How long do you wait? And if you wait too long, could damage be done that may cost you an opportunity to get to where you want to go? 412-575-2600. That's not the number. That's the sports call. You can call that at night at 1035-412-928-9370. Pretty soon, Matt, I'll be getting out my own uh, cell number, so watch out for that one. Um <laughs> It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, they have decisions to make, and they got to start making them pretty soon. So let's go out to the line here, and we have a caller from Penn Hills. That would be Dave. Hello, Dave. How are you? David? Bob, you there? Yeah, go ahead. Hey, how you doing? Good. What's up, man? Um, basically, I just say uh, you asked about Dallas Keuchel. I don't think it's worth it. Um, I don't think he's going to stay, and then we have to give up the draft pick to get him. Um, I just don't see it happening. How about a few – had an idea or the Pirates made an idea to try to sign him longer term? Um, yeah, if they tried to sign him longer term, I'd be all for it. It seems like we can't even bring that up, though, because it seems like the answer would be no. And I'm wondering, you know, the price tag for a guy like that is going to be what it is for a market, uh, for a Cy Young winner, a lefty. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're unwilling to do it because you may be afraid of the expense, then you have to ask yourself, you know, then what are you doing sometimes – and this system does not help the Pirates. There's no question no, because it's unlimited spending and those who have it will. That's why I don't yeah. like it because it just creates uneven playing fields on the field as opposed to just on the economic side of it. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. But that's, uh, that's a good point. They gave up, you know, uh, Shane Baz was a 12th overall pick and the Pirates gave him up. So essentially they have three first-round picks to get Chris Archer, which is why Chris Archer needs to start getting it together. Let's go to Bill in Cannonsburg. Bill joins us right now on the Fan Hotline. Hello, Bill. How are you? Hey, Bob. How are you? Nice, nice show. Always thanks. I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to ask you uh, just a question about uh, Corey Dickerson and uh, once he does come back. But I don't know if this has ever been questioned. But with his injury and being out now almost two months, I, I, I never even thought about it until. I think it was reported twice about, you know, his shoulder being bad. But but if his right shoulder is the one that is inflamed and needs rest and rehab, how does that affect his throwing so bad being a left-hander? I, I just never heard anybody say why, why so wrong with the right shoulder. You know, I don't know. I, I have to ask the doctors where, where the pain's coming from, what it's doing. I don't know the answer to that. But I'm a little surprised it's taken this long for both of those guys, Dickerson and Chisnall, aren't you? It wasn't yeah, necessarily portrayed that the, way at the beginning. Being it's not his throwing shoulder, I was just curious. I never heard anybody comment on that. And uh, Brew Baker, um, the the young kid that's been hurt in Indy, what's his injury, Bob? Do you know? 
I think it's. I'm not sure. I think it's something in the shoulder, but I'm not sure of that. Or I got to double check. So before I say officially, I'll, I'll double check. But he's been out, and they had big expectations for him. I know Ray Searge loves that guy in terms of what he offers, not just from a physical standpoint, but a mental standpoint as well. So uh, Matt, maybe you can check on Brubaker's injury because I'm not sure what exactly. There have been so many injuries, man. It's they're just piling up left and right. But um, you know. They got to deal with it. But if Brubaker was available, I think he would have been the first guy they brought up. They seem to be hesitant for Keller for what are you, the, the, you know, the report was he's developing something new. Well, okay. That probably should have happened already in spring training. Even if you're trying to incorporate, isn't it good enough to come up here for a start or two or just to help out? Because we saw that with Brian Reynolds. We saw that with Jason Martin. We saw that with uh, Cole Tucker. I don't think the Pirates had any plans this year bringing up Cole Tucker just as they do, uh, you know, Hayes at third base. But at some point you have to bring, you know, Gonzalez got hurt, Newman got hurt. They didn't have many answers. Although I noticed Kevin Kramer's playing better down there in AAA too. So, uh, you know, they got to they gotta figure out what they're going to do. But Brubaker has forearm strain. That's the official. Uh, I knew it was somewhere in the arm. wasn't sure where. But forearm strain for Brubaker. And I'm not sure how long he's going to be out, but it, it could be a, a while. Well, we'll continue with the Pirate Talk. Again, they got the Dodgers coming up tonight. What are they going to do? What will the lineup look like against the lefty, uh, Ryu, who's been really good, and he kind of owned the Pirates the last time out. Would you make changes? What would your lineup be like? Let me know what you think on that. And we'll continue with some tweets about the Penguins. We talked about Phil Kessel's situation. Ralph Powell 32 says on Twitter, why not trade Malkin, Latang, and Kessel, keep Sid, and accomplish total rebuild with young prospects? I think the Penguins are stuck in the mud. Well, Ralph, if you do all that, uh, you're gonna. You better make sure you get enough in return, and you, you know, you go against the whole theory of Mike Sullivan coaching. Mike Sullivan loves to push the pace, and it starts with his defensemen. Nobody on that team does that better than Chris Letang. And while I realize, you know, people want Letang out. A lot of you. I don't know why, to be honest. He, yeah, he makes mistakes. So does Malkin. Uh, but the upside when they're on is really good, and I still think there's upside there. So. I think it would also be difficult to trade Latang, his price tag, injury history, all of this. I think he's better suited here. Kessel, on the other hand, seems like we're getting close to an expiration point. Just don't know why that is, but that's the feeling I get. Um, and he may be wanting to go. I think Kessel feels better when he's he's able to do what he does on his own. I don't think he wants to rely on any one star. When he came here in Pittsburgh, that was maybe the intention when it comes to Crosby. You know, a lot of talk about Kessel Crosby. It didn't work for whatever reason. But when they won, they had it. As Kessel third line on the HBK line. That was the best line in hockey, I thought, actually. So, you know, the bottom line is maybe Wisconsin, uh, maybe going there to Minnesota would be, uh, you know, it's almost home for him. Good. But he seems not to be interested in doing it. Uh, all right, let's squeeze out one more here. We got Dave in the cell phone. Dave, what's going on? Hey, Bob. Uh, great show. Thank you, hey, Dave, for calling. I just wanted to uh, ask you about Ray Searage. Uh, how come none of this falls on him with the Pirates pitchers? I don't feel like – I mean, you had Cole Lee, and he turned into something good. You had Well, uh, he was something good here, though, Dave. Remember, he won 19 games, and he was the top five Cy Young guy. Yeah, sure. But it just seems like these guys leave, and they turn into something great. And, then, and the guys we have, he, he, he can't seem to build up to be something great here while they're here. Well, you just blew over that fact that Cole was really good. <laughs> Yeah, he had his problems. I don't think he wanted to be here, honestly. I think he wanted to move on. So that was that. And, yes, you know, I, the the big surprise to me was that Glass now could not – I think Ray Sears is as 
good at coaches you're going to find for what he does. I also think he has the kind of personality to deal with every sort of personality on that team. He's instructive. He gives you what you need. He's hard on you. He can be compassionate with you. He goes through your up and downs. So some guys, it just doesn't work. Some guys need a new change. Charlie Morton went from here to Philadelphia. He stunk in both places at the end, and all of a sudden he found something new in Houston. So did, uh, you know, the cold train, yes. Did it get back on track? Yes, it did down there. Uh, we saw Glass now leave here, and just I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's a confidence issue whatever, but I think they gave him as many opportunities as they can, uh, and it just the results were the same. His wildness was out of control here. He goes down to the minors, and he was outstanding. So I think they, they felt like Archer could give them something last year to help. You might remember the Pirates put on a pretty good win streak to convince Neil Huntington that they were going to be competitive, so he made a deal, and I don't blame him for that. As it turns out, you'd expect more out of Archer. And if you had gotten more out of Archer, then you wouldn't be worried so much about the other guys. But since you're not, you worry about him. By the way, Brew Baker, as I said, he has a forearm strain. And Matt uh, Harkins here looks up that he's resumed throwing. So I guess he's getting closer. You don't know how long that takes, though, with uh, pitchers who have to be built up as well. All right. Want to remind you, our show is brought to you by the good people of PNC Bank. Make today the day. And Allegheny Health Network, health for all. We are driven by number one Cochrane, go one better. We'll come back with more calls on the way here. We're talking Penguins. We're talking Pirates. If you want to get into some Steeler, yeah, do you think they're going to be good enough to win a division or not based on what you've seen so far? We're in OTA's session of the season. It's all coming up. It's the Bob Pompiani Show Sports Radio, 93.7 The Fan. All right, welcome back. We continue here. Kevin Gorman is getting ready. Outstanding columnist with the Trib. He'll be here at 1 o'clock until 4 o'clock on 93.7 The Fan. In the meantime, I'm Bob Pompiani. Uh, behind the desk and behind the glass, it is Matty Ice who will be taking your calls at 412-928-9370. Got some tweets I want to get to, uh, both on two topics. Cal Hammer 1 on the Pirates says, a place to start with the Pirates is their lineup. Move Frazier to second, a career 250 hitter batting leadoff. He's a career 294 hitter batting second. Move Marte back to number one. You can move Newman or Dickerson to uh, the spot by anyone but Frazier. So he doesn't like Frazier. As the lead. He has struggled a little bit, you know, based on what I thought he could be this year. Uh, you heard some comments about his teammates who thought uh, that Frazier could win a batting title. But so far, it's been a little bit of a struggle, although I still like him at the top of the order. You can debate one or two if you'd like. Let's go out to Herb in Greenfield. Herb, what's up? How are you today? Okay, Bob. Uh, I was uh, looking through uh, different teams' rosters uh, last night on online, and uh, one thing, I, I came across Ivan Nova, and uh, really wish he was on the team right now. He's, he hasn't pitched that much for Chicago. I think about 50 innings. His record is 3-4. and four. I did, forgot to check his ERA. But uh, he at least was a semblance of a starter, and he did uh, some, some good work when he was here. I know the money angle is why he was let go. Oh, there's no question it's a money angle. You know, I mean, they didn't like the $9 million Herb contract that he was getting, and uh, they wanted to do away with it. But, uh, you know, I mean, he's had a lot of bad with a lot of good. Although, you know, right now you could use a guy like that without a doubt. Um, yeah. You need someone who will give you some innings at this point. They can't keep going along like this, even yeah, in the best-case scenario. I'm not a big fan of this opener. I understand why some teams use it, but they're using it far too frequently. You can have two openers on Monday. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do there, but Keller should be one of the guys they use. Well, that should be probably plan A. But somewhere, if they don't want to spend a lot of money for a free agent, which is more than likely, (laughs) 
uh, I, I mean, then find some veteran pitcher who wouldn't cost a lot to get, like maybe a, uh, a minor leaguer, because I think that's what they got for, for Nova. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, I could have done without that deal. Um, you know, they signed him to the deal. I, I, I would have preferred him hanging around. I know that, uh, you know, what they did, I, I liked their pitching stuff when they came out of spring training, given the health of it all and what it potentially could be. But I've always been of the belief you can never have enough of it just because you never know. Even in the best-case scenario, years go by where if you get through seven starters, you're pretty lucky as a franchise. The Pirates are going through, what, how many left fielders have they had? Like seven. How many second basemen have they had? They, they have guys playing everywhere. Uh, Jung Ho Gung was not a good move. They should have. They, and I didn't like that move to begin with anyway because I didn't believe he could regain what he once had. It's tough to do after you lay out that long. Well, before the season even begins that it takes more than uh, five or six pitchers uh, to be in the starting rotation during the whole season. But uh, they've been sitting on their hands. And, and the latest failures with the opener, uh, it reminds me of a dance act that fails uh, as the curtain opens. I mean, everybody falls down. I mean, it, it's it, it's just not working. And they have to, it, it's just not working. No, it isn't. But they got to keep... Trying to figure out ideas, Herb. And they have a tough week. It's, it's not just this series against the Dodgers, which is never going to be easy. But then they have, you know, the games against Cincinnati featuring a doubleheader. And then I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's Milwaukee, right? Four-game series. Milwaukee's struggling a little bit right now. But they're going to be there, and they have a pretty good lineup. And that pitching staff, if it's overused and abused, it's going to be hard to, you know, come up with the pitches you need in big situations. I just never, just again, to re- reiterate – I didn't like when I heard Michael Feliz was a starter yesterday. I just didn't like that choice. And I think they could have used Lariano in that instead had he not gone in the previous day. I don't think he needed to go in that day, that 14 to 6 blowout game. But, you know, what are you going to do? That's what it was. And he didn't get the job done. He's really struggling. Quite frankly, he doesn't need to be up here. And they got not only with injuries, but Richard Rodriguez's losses hurt them a lot. And his is not a physical loss. His is just a, he can't get the ball over the plate. And when he does, it gets crushed. So that has to change. But today, Musgrove, boy, they we haven't hit, talked complete game in how long in baseball in general. But you really would like to see some guy just get it out nine innings, two and a half hours. And Musgrove has that potential. When he's on, he, is, he can be that good. Now, they need that effort tonight. They need to conserve some bullpen. And I think Stephen Brault did a pretty good job of that last night, uh, even though he gave up runs. But, you know, 98 pitches, Kingham – has been a disappointment. Here's a here's the thing about it all. None of this would have really gotten to this opener status if Brawlton Kingham had done what they were supposed to do. They were guys given starts because of injury. You would expect them to be better, much better than what they were, but they weren't. And so as a result, now they're going, you know, mixing and matching. And I think it's very difficult for Searage and Hurdle to try to navigate through this uh, minefield because there's too many things that could blow up in your face, and we've seen it. We have another tweet. This is from Jill Balmer, and it concerns the discussion we had about Phil Kessel. She says, let's face it, Kessel was a quirky personality and will not make it easy on the Penguins. That proposed trade included Johnson, which would have solved several of the Penguins' problems lineup-wise. Well, what it would have done is they hope give him some cap space, although if you look at the two contracts those guys were reportedly bringing in, it's still a pretty hefty sum of money. Uh, Victor Rask is... Did not he had a really kind of turbulent season, four and a half or whatever it was million, and then you have uh, Zucker who's over five million, but a good player. I like him. 
Uh, they need to get younger. I think the whole game plan is core players, the ones we really like in earmark, we're going to keep them around. We're going to surround them with younger players who have speed again because people ask about changing styles. I don't think Mike Sullivan's a coach who will change his style. You know what I mean? Yes, you want to adapt to the talent you have, and I think every good coach is faced with doing that sometimes. But he has a belief in how his system is played. He has a belief in what he wants his defensemen to do. And I don't think it's radically going to change. And if it does, then you'd have to wonder if, if he's the right guy for this. And I think he is, but I think that's why Chris Letang in my book will never get traded. And I don't think they should trade him. I know that goes against a lot of you people on Twitter who just told me that's crazy, but that's my belief. Uh, you're going to trade Kessel? Yeah, he has an expiration date. It feels that way, too. A lot of people have talked that. I, I see that. Two cups, that's a great trade. He had a good time here. He was revered. Everything about it was a good deal for the Penguins, I thought, even though they gave up a pretty talented kid in Kapanen. But now the time maybe to move him, and he could help a lot of teams. You know, people want to say what they want about Phil Kessel, as this uh, tweeter just said, uh, Jenna, who says, look at what Kessel did. He's a liability defensively. Okay, I don't think anyone disputes the fact that he's not a guy who's going to go back and clean up his own zone on a regular basis. But Jenna, what he does do is score. He had 82 points in 82 games, if I'm not mistaken. That was still a point of game average. You don't think a lot of teams out there, even at age 32, would want someone who could j- jumpstart their offense and put him... Now, his thing may be he, d- he wants to be whatever he is on his own line or be the centerpiece of a specific line. I'm not sure if he is or isn't. I always thought he felt better, to me, with Malkin. They had a good relationship, but... When they won, it was the HBK line that kind of put him over the top. And he was a key part of that line when no one expected it to turn into what it turned into. 412-928-9370 is the number to call. We'll continue on that topic as well. Joey Porter's made news, and Kevin Gorman's in here. And we, um, uh, we're we talking a little bit about Kevin Gorman, uh, or about Joey Porter with Kevin Gorman. Uh, and just two seconds as you prepare, Kevin, since you brought it up. I, I brought it up earlier, and I, I don't need to hear this kind of stuff from from Joey Porter, just because I think he's had his share of critics the other way who've maintained that he's affected their their locker room or the division within the players. What he said, however, was too late for Ben to apologize, essentially. And I disagree with that, and here's why. I think, based on what I saw, Roethlisberger tried immediately after all the stuff blew up in Week 17. He got no reaction. He's tried repeatedly again. He's getting no reaction. At what point do you just – if you're not going to get a reaction – and do you know what the direct blame was? What did he do? I would like to know. Somebody tell me the truth of what happened in that whatever happened. I just think Antonio's off the rails at some times, and I think if he doesn't want to talk to you, if he's supposed to be a 30-year-old adult person who can handle a situation, talk. Don't keep sending these crazy tweets and Instagrams out. That's his method of operation, and I don't like that. Yeah, and I and I think a lot of what Antonio Brown did last year, starting from the beginning with the Trade Me tweet, a lot of that was orchestrated to get himself traded out of town so he could get a new contract. That's the number one I, and, reason and, and, why you know, all of this happened, I sure, believe. No question. And I don't know where that started. I don't know if that if he wanted a new contract instead of just a restructuring of his deal last spring or if there was some type of a jealousy that Roethlisberger took some liberties at OTAs last year by scheduling a vacation and not coming to them. They're voluntary. You, know, you don't have to be there. It sets a good example to be there, though, however. But um, if if Roethlisberger, however, was going to apologize for anything that occurred during the season, it should have been the comments that occurred when he did his radio show after the Denver game where he essentially Uh blamed Antonio Brown's route running for the interception in the end zone, which was a poor throw. 
And instead, really, you know, the next day I asked him, at what point do you feel like, you know, it's okay to criticize teammates? And he said, I feel like I've earned it. Mm-hmm. And, and so that way, and not, not only in that sense that he not apologized to Antonio Brown, but he really doubled down. And, and I felt like that maybe where the riff started, even if they no, continue exactly to play, right. if that's... they continue to play. And I think that's what Joey Porter was talking about, just trying to read into what he was saying today. And I've watched it and listened to it and read it. Um, it was that, you know, to, to come back months later or even days later, you have to address that immediately and not allow a rift. You know, that, well, that's something that should have been. Kevin. Maybe so. But if, first of all, I think he does have a right to do it. You may not like it on the radio show, but I think that's ha- that happens. If Antonio Brown really had a problem with it, what happened in the subsequent weeks where they still enjoyed really good, did nothing, did he just drop it? Did he bring it to his attention if he was miffed yeah. by it? Maybe he didn't. And Ben didn't feel the need to because he's doing something to try to help the guy or say he should have run a uh, not a flat route, whatever he yeah. said. There was underlying tension between those two all year. Where, you know, I think there's been underlining tension the entire existence here. Sure, but, but, I think but especially, especially this season. I mean, there, were, there were times they played it up to the media, you know, calling each other Ronald and Billy Ocean. And, I mean, they would have some fun with it. Antonio Brown had a, fo- a photo next to his locker of him and Ben, and, and Ben autographed it and everything. I mean, you could tell that the, some of it was for show. But the thing that that kind of I felt like there was a, the underlying tension was you know Ben that Antonio Brown would say things like hey I can't throw the ball to myself and then Ben would make you know some type of a subtle jab at, at Antonio Brown's route running uh, but it, it seemed like those two weren't on the same page and and whether that's a failure on their part or on the coaching staff's part or the ownership's part somebody should have got involved and made sure that those you know that that was cleared I, I think there's a lot of let's treat men like men mentality over at the Steelers headquarters and what we're seeing is in in some regard men behaving badly you know what i mean no, they're, or, they're not acting they're not the acting power. Yeah, you know, they're I'm, certainly abuse of power and i i felt like you had you know and i wrote i wrote this so i'm not just saying this out on a limb i felt like the stewards had at opposite ends of the locker room two selfish superstars ben roethlisberger and antonio brown that that for whatever reason couldn't put their differences aside couldn't get it on the same page and, and they were really the key to the season that they were going to be the two guys that if they connected and were on the same page all the time, the Steelers were a superior team. And if they weren't, the Steelers were a 9-6-1 and team. And I'm not blaming those two players, but I'm saying that they had, to borrow a phrase, they had the exceptionalism. <laughs> <laughs> they had the exceptionalism about them, that, that, that those were two guys went on the same page. When, when they were connecting and playing well together, nobody could defend them. There's, there was no stopping Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, and, and that's really kind of the, the saddest part about this whole thing is to see that that relationship, and in, in, in not just in the locker room, but on the that it spilled over onto the field, and that it that it ended in an ugly divorce, was something that you know over six seasons those guys were relatively unstoppable, especially well, especially when I clicking. think it's disingenuous for anyone to go and take out your troubles on social media and not call the person directly. I'm no sorry, question. you're thirty some years old act like an adult. Antonio Brown has not acted like an adult. And if you can't deal with someone who acts like an adult, how do you win that? I, I think the Steelers have bigger issues, though. When you when you think about the friendly fire, you can dismiss Josh Harris. You can dismiss Rashard Mendenhall. Uh, it, no, I don't it, think you can because well, I think that's piling on based on friendships they have without knowing any Sure, but I'm saying you, as a fan, you can dismiss Should those. Should they and have say, apologized and so, to and that, Well, that's, that's sour, you know, sour grapes. That the, Here's two guys airing their grapes. But when it comes from James Harrison, and when it comes from Joey Porter, they're, they're obviously guys that have perhaps an axe to grind as well, but you're talking about guys that won a Super Bowl with Ben Roethlisberger. But I'm also talking about two guys who've also had 
unreasonable complaints since they've left. And they forced in, no, in and, Harrison's and they left, case, and they both left under he negative left, circumstances. Exactly. That's that's not the way there, you want to yeah. conduct yourself as a leader either. He did it, and he got not much blame for no, it. No, and I, and I thought I thought James Harrison was if if anyone in that locker room was a leader only when it benefited him. It was you know when when James Harrison was in the starting lineup and they needed him to be a leader and, and to play well. Then all of a sudden he was a leader when he was when he was a backup. Uh, and using a reserve role, all of a sudden he was the worst guy on the team. And that, that's not leadership to me. Leadership is setting the example and, and being a leader regardless of how it affects you. We have to take a break here, but K Gorman underscore Trib, is that right? That's right. I got it right. K Gorman underscore Trib. He'll be on the air at 1 o'clock here. I know we're up for an update, Matt, and we went long, but that's okay. You can't get this that kind of free contributions to my show from a guy like Kevin Gorman. I like it. 412-928-9370 is the number. Again, our thanks to our sponsors, PNC Bank. PNC, make today the day. Allegheny Health Network, health for all. And we're driven by number one Cochrane, go one better. Also, a special thanks to Ireland Contracting. Visit IrelandContracting.com. An update and more up until 1 o'clock, and then Kevin takes over right here on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. All right, welcome back. We continue right here at Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. A little reminder to you to tune in to the Ireland Contracting Nightly Sports Call. That's every night on Pittsburgh CW at 1035 and Every Sunday night, number one Cochrane Sports Showdown on KDKA-TV, a show that's now been running 23 years running, which is something we're proud of. Good uh, just fodder at night. When you need an opinion or two from some of the best people in the business, that's what we offer Sunday nights at 1135. So in the meantime, uh, we've been talking a lot about the Pirates, specifically the Penguins. Um, And and you wonder about what the Penguins are going to do if they don't get this deal with Phil Kessel. So, Kevin, I appreciate you adding on to your day. I'll get no, you more money. No problem. Don't worry, I'll talk to Racy. <laughs> I'll let you do but the negotiating. Here, no, well, I can do I can do that. I'll be, sta- Jim, I'll be you listening. I'll be standing behind you wearing a Pompadane Easy shirt. <laughs> uh, I have extras. So, anyway, um, if they can't get this deal done for Kessel, because he does control it. First of all, I'm not a big fan of trade clause. I thought once they entered the game, that's really hard. Because you're, now you're limiting everything. If the guy doesn't want to go and you absolutely have to trade him, you're kind of stuck. I'm talking about guys who have entire trade clauses like a guy like yeah. Malkin does uh, or Crosby. They're elite players, I understand. what. But once it got into the the you know the negotiations and the contract language, it's a tough one. Just as I didn't like weight clauses. I think that defeats the whole purpose of why you assign a guy. Yeah. You, you understood he comes in. If they can't get it done because he says no, what do they do next? And where are the landing spots potentially? Because a lot of people think Tockett had a good relationship with him in Pittsburgh. He's now running Arizona. Would he fit there? Would he be the kind of thing that Arizona needs? Certainly everyone needs offense. Arizona could use yeah, a guy that, like that. That's the thing is, I mean, it's it's a the goal scorer is, you know, it's like a guy who hits home runs in baseball or scores touchdowns in football. Uh, th- there's always going to be a buyer. There's always going to be a suitor for – Somebody even, and I'm not trying to paint Phil Kessel in the same uh, the same realm, but I mean, when when there there was a market for Terrell Owens, there was a market for uh, Randy Moss. You know, the guys that that had kind of worn out their welcome with some of the teams that they played for. There was always a market because that's how you win games, and uh, you know, some teams lack that. We've we've seen so much of the scoring um, in in hockey. You know, between Crosby and, and Malkin. And, and prior to that, Yager and Mario. And we've seen so much of the touchdowns with the Steelers, most recently with Roethlisberger either handing it off to Bell or throwing it to Brown. <laughs> the, you know, And prior to that, you had Jerome Bettis and Heinz Ward that I, I think we've kind of taken for granted 
when you don't have that, and what's like, and I, I think the perfect example would be Josh Bell hitting home runs at the pace he is, and how exciting that is for baseball fans to watch. But when you don't have that, you you're desperate for it, and you think about some of the guys the Pirates have traded for to try to find a first baseman who hit with power and, and think about some of the names that have come through here you know uh, Clement uh, was one um, you know there's a list of them I mean they, they've tried to convert guys and, and they finally developed one from within and you see how important that is I, I think there's going to be an organization out there that is going to want Phil Kessel and, and but I think what fits the bill more so is less a maybe an Arizona and more somebody that's a Stanley Cup contender that feels like they're missing one piece and wants well, to bring they just in a guy the who's playoffs by the last day of the season. You sure, know, they're young I, and up and coming, the, so. and that maybe they feel like that's what they need as a score. But the other part, and the, the relationship with the coach is going to be a big thing. A coach who is a Mike Sullivan type isn't going to want to bring a Phil Kessel in. You know, they're, they'll adapt to him if they have to, but they'd prefer not to. I mean, that's not going to be the type of guy that they want. They want to bring in guys who are going to fall in line not guys who want to freelance and do their own thing. One thing I'll tell you about him, though, when he was in Toronto, he played with Tyler Bozak, who's not exactly Sidney Crosby or anywhere close to being a top uh, offensive center. He's good, but you know it was Kessel who did what Kessel did, and he was just such a good sniper. He, he scored goals. Yeah. And I think people know that about him. As I said, as evidence, people want to rip apart his defense. I get it, but 82 points in 82 games, and what was a down year for him? That those are That's point yeah. production, yeah. regardless of how you – you know, describe it, and if you're a team that needs that, there are a lot of teams. I think Minnesota's prime. They, they Minnesota missed the playoffs. They fell apart. Why? They couldn't score a number of goals. They, they needed, especially power play. That's the thing that he brings you. Yeah. That if you need power play help, Phil Kessel can be a big addition to your team. Yeah, and he, he's like you mentioned, he's a sniper, but he, he's also I mean, he scored the first goal of the Penguins playoffs this year um, at the Islanders, and and he's he's a guy who's been a playoff performer. Now that he has that, he brings that with him, which. You know, teams that are close or teams that lack that, you, you think back to the the important trade the Penguins made, or the I don't know if it was a trade or a signing, but the addition that they made in the year they won the Stanley Cup was Bill Guerin. And right. you, you go out and you get guys like that. Matt Collin, uh, you know, teams went out and got Chris Kunitz, other teams from the Penguins. They, they, they want to sign guys. I mean, even Tom Kuhnhackle, we were just talking about off-air, uh, a guy who hits the post and it could have changed the Penguins' playoff fortunes last year. That was a guy that, that – uh, that Barry Trotz was talking about is how much he brought to the Islanders this year. Is, is here, here's a guy who's been in it. He's won it. He knows what it takes, and, and everybody's looking for that. And so, there, some people are going to be they're going to be willing to look, uh, you know, look the other way on some of the uh, the things that Phil Kessel that we don't like here in Pittsburgh, or that we've I think have become magnified. I think you're right, and we'll find out. But it's going to be something that if it doesn't happen in Minnesota, then it's got to happen somewhere, and you wonder what has to happen. For another team and to give you the right price in return and to accept that contract, which is still three years running at $6.8 million. Thanks, Kevin. He'll be on coming up at 1 o'clock. It's K Gorman underscore Trib. In the meantime, I want to thank our sponsors once again today who made it all possible. That would be PNC Bank. PNC, make today the day. Allegheny Health Network, health for all. And driven, as always, in style by Number One Cochran. Our thanks to the good people at Number One Cochran for being along for the ride on our program as well. Matt, thank you for doing everything you do behind the ice and glass. <laughs> He's Matty Ice. I call him Ice Glass, whatever this thing is in front of me. So uh, we uh, ask you to keep on bringing the calls all the way until 4 o'clock. Kevin will be on at 4, and then we have the Pirate pregame show, I believe, coming up. And uh, Craig Riley and Jack Zarenzik on that one? Yeah, they'll be here today, so they'll give you a preview of what's going on, and maybe you'll get an answer about who's going to be the opener on Monday in the doubleheader 
uh, coming up in Cincinnati. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.